Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. MSU football lays an egg. We get nervous about sports moving forward, but hashtag never forget because MSU beat Michigan 27-24 this year. Look fickle, kind of a dickle? We preview a game that probably won't happen and answer your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by the man who answers the question, what if Dr. Fauci were an otter? Alex Plum. Plum, how are we doing? Uh, just currently searching online for the best razors for my chest and back. So really <laughs> got to be got to be that suave uh, Italian Fauci style. That's what they like these days. <laughs> um. Well, thank you all, of course, for joining us. Uh, if we could ask before we dive into the show, please give us the old rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Share the pod with Spartans in your life. Yada, yada, yada. You know, show us the love. Smash that subscribe button. That's what it's all about. Smash it. Smash it. Uh, Plum, what are we doing on the show today? Oh, man, you guys were in for a good show. Uh can't read, can't write, always starts out on the green wall where football always leads. We will dissect and discuss our um, beautiful performance against Indiana where we won by 400 points. Uh, and then uh, and then uh, get into a little bit of basketball where we'll uh, try to preview what might or might not happen in 10 days. We'll head <laughs> off Grand River after that, talk a little bit about sports across the uh, country, see what's happening here and there. Um, maybe get into Luke fickle, everyone's least favorite fickle. Um, obviously got to talk a little bit about hockey. Uh, got a special, um, special, uh, segment in store for us with a special guest who we, uh, always love to have on the, uh, on the pod preview the Maryland game and then, uh, and then take your Twitter questions. Lovely. So I guess let's head behind that green wall and talk a little bit about the football. Uh, what'd you think? Oh, guy, yikes. It was, uh, not good. Not, uh, not good. Our first, <laughs> first home shutout since 1987, Mike Jones, when we were both nary, but one year old, <laughs> I honestly, I generally don't know what to say. Um, but I will say it was only what a year after that, that we won the Rose Bowl. So maybe that portends good things for this football team. Maybe, but probably not. But probably um, not. Okay. It's it's funny uh indeed I think um at the time that that game was played uh Michigan State was also wearing the atrocious helmets that they wore into this game. Well, George Perlis, um, my friend. Which uh I I think the helmets were representative of um you know uh the game as a whole. One half was good. The other half was garbage. Um well said. <laughs> so I, was there anything that you saw in the game that you liked um there were there were some moments of brilliance right i mean i think thorn's first play of the game where he just threw caution to the wind and ran about 10 yards uh for the first down that was that was incredible i thought that showed some gutsy balls i thought it showed a good awareness of field position um 
he didn't really wow me after that, but that's okay. Cause you know, getting the cobwebs right. off. I, I hear that. So I appreciated that. Um, uh, I'm not going to use the word secondary in answering that question from you. Um, but I will say that our defense in the second half showed up and I appreciated that. So what about you? I mean, what, where, where, where did you see positive takeaways uh, in this game? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, and I think maybe before we get into the bad, because there's certainly plenty of bad to talk about. I do think it's sort of, it, after losses like this last week against Rutgers, even though we don't like losing to in Indiana or a Rutgers, right? That feels uncomfortable. Um, it is sort of worth remembering that um, we were bad before this yep. um, <laughs> for two years. And we'll talk a little bit more about this, but so, when I try and watch these games, that doesn't prevent me from rage tweeting during the game. It doesn't yeah. prevent me from throwing a hat, um, maybe snapping a little bit at my son because he changed the channel mid-game. <laughs> um, but, but I do, I do think it's it's worth trying to find some enjoyment in progress. And so, to your point about defense, um, you know, we lost twenty-four to nothing, but. Indiana only scored seven points that didn't come off of a turnover. Yes. Indiana's average starting field position was in our territory. Yes. I mean, there, there's only so much mad you can be about the yeah. defense. And sure, they didn't play a perfect game. They didn't even play close to a perfect game. But I have a hard time coming down hard on them. Yep. Um, so they seem to be a, a, a high point. Um, well, let's talk about uh, Antoine Simmons. Career high oh. fourteen tackles against the Hoosiers uh, offense. I mean, that's yes. that, that says something, right? I mean, mm-hmm. y- you might have a crappy season overall, but you have to assume that someone out there is watching. And uh, this is a senior who's gonna hopefully go somewhere, uh, maybe next uh, spring summer. Uh, this is uh, good for him, right? Yeah, and and if and if he if he for whatever reason doesn't grade out well enough for the draft, he gets to come back, which is great. Um, but I do think. I think your point about Simmons racking up 14 tackles, um, talking about, an, uh, uh, you know, pre- preventing any scores from Indiana in the second half, you know, even if Indiana sort of took their foot off the uh, the gas a little bit. Yep. Um, it, it is it is still a testament to, I think, an emotional buy-in on this team, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to say something here that is, uh, well, people will not be surprised by but I think Connor Hayward's improving. Good God. I, you just don't <laughs> like, you don't like yourself. And I think that's a thing that we need to spend probably another pod segment really, really dissecting. But hear say, me out, say hear me out. okay, yeah, defend yourself. And you're now, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's a, a good running back. I'm not saying that's his natural position. Yeah. He, 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 I think he's uh, moved from abysmal to bad. Okay. And so, I mean, he he had at least at least three times in this game he made a cut to gain extra yardage, yep. and that is not something Connor Hayward was doing in in uh, seasons past. Yep, um, he's starting to learn to fall forward a little bit. Sure, he's generally speaking pretty okay at pass block. Like he's he's not a good running back. I'm just saying he's getting better, and um, and so you know. Uh, if, if you want bright spots, I, I don't know if that's bright or more is merely not a black hole of, of, uh, emotion, but yeah, I mean, 
Okay, that's fine. Uh, moving from abysmal to bad is still bad. And I, you're not wrong. And I guess it's okay to see um, improvement where you see improvement. But the kid's got three years of work in, in, oh, that, yeah. in that situation, and it isn't, it isn't improving. And it's – or, okay, it's, maybe it's improving, but marginally. At a certain point, you, you have to stop. Right. I mean, you have you, you have to understand what your what your team can do and what they can't do. And I know well, that part of this is on Jay Johnson and we're going to get to him. But but part of it also has to be on Connor Hayward. I mean, we have to expect more improvement over three years than what we're seeing in three games. Sure. And and I think actually that's a, a decent segue to uh, the bad. And. And we I, I think we've tried to start at coaching, right? Like yeah. what are some things that are frustrating to us? Um, before we dive, <laughs> go full bore on the on the players themselves, yeah. but it seems to me that the running back situation is untenable, unsustainable, uh, ill advised. Yeah, you know, use some other words for yeah. you, you have all the guys doing, with the exception of um, Jordan Simmons. Yep, everyone else is doing things that they're not good at. Yep. So you have Elijah Collins, whose main feat last year was being able to find, you know, uh, four yards in a shower stall. Like, you know, he, and instead you have him rushing to the edge, which he's not good at. Yep. You, but then you bring in Connor Hayward and have him run up the middle, which he's not good at. Well, none of them are. I mean, t- you said it best. We we just don't have the talent, and right. And l- l- let me just put a pin in that because I want to come back to it. But you know, this is the point I'm. I think we keep making. It has now become a trope that on third down we will literally yes. hand the ball to the running back and he will just go up the middle, and it doesn't matter how many goddamn yards it is, whether we're third and two or we're third and twenty-two, we're going to run the damn ball right up the middle. There's what are you doing? You can't. That there is no process to that. You, I will trust your process if you can show me that you have personnel who can make the process change or that we can see a new result, that you can tweak something and we'll see something different change. But we're not seeing that. And so it, well, it, 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 is it a question of talent or is it a question that that the the talent managers, our coaching staff, isn't doing the adaptive work that they need to to fit process with people? I, uh, I think it is, uh, both of those things and the, the latter being intentional. And what I mean by that is, um, I think it's pretty clear that a lot of these players will not be on the team next year or will not be playing next year. Yeah. And it, it seems that they're, they're trying to put as many guys in the situations of this is what we want to do. And you need to show that you can learn it and improve on it and be a contributor next year. Yeah. Or you're gone because we're going to, we just, we're going to have our first recruiting class and we're going to have them start. And so, you know, you wonder it, it, it is the, it, it is becoming the only logical explanation. And, and look, let's not forget that as much as we sort of maybe clowned on him or got annoyed by Mark D'Antonio last year, you know, he would get questions from the press about what are you doing on um, uh, on the run game? Like, how is how can you improve your run game? And he's like, guys, there's four different types of run plays inside zone, outside zone, inside power, outside power. Like, that's it. 
those are the four options and you you do a little bit here a little bit there but like those are the run plays and and everyone does the same run plays there isn't a team that has like a magic formula for a run play right if you can't run you can't be successful and so again (laughs) it's been years in the making of we can't run the ball yeah years and i don't know why anyone thought the backups from D'Antonio teams that couldn't do it, we're going to be able to do it this year. Well, we we have spent some not insignificant time on the pod really trying to talk about the offensive line and its absolute deficits. It's absolute and utter deficits. And it's terrible. It's terrible. And we've indicted D'Antonio. I think we've been quite consistent around our indictment of him and the offensive coordination st- staff for their failure to recruit for that position. That has to be a priority for um, for this program and for Mel Tucker and his team going forward here. Um, and I think that these three games that we've had, uh, Michigan even, I mean, maybe not completely with Stanley, but, but my God, my God against Indiana. I mean, our, our total offense, what is Solari had the numbers? 109th, I think, in total offense, 118th in scoring. This is out of 124 FBS teams playing this fall. I yes. mean, you 73.8 rushing yards per game. We are we are fourth worst, fourth worst of all teams. That is completely well. You can arm wrestle whether it's the offensive line or it's Connor Hayward's ineptitude and his penchant for backpedaling. But either way, it's it is this is not a Division One Big Ten. I mean, my God, my God. Yeah, I just want to like for people who you know maybe don't know what you know when we talk about fbs the 124 teams yeah like i'm just gonna say a few names just from the top of the list of schools that are also in the fbs that you might not have heard of because why would you <laughs> like arkansas state arkansas state eastern michigan eastern michigan's a school you've heard of we are worse than eastern, eastern at running the ball yes um you know the I, it's just it is it is bad. It is it is bad with a capital B, capital A, capital D. Like it is bad. Um that said, I really, you know, I think belaboring those rankings is missing the point to a degree in that those numbers were in the ballpark of where they were last year. Okay. And the year before that. Now, the the running is worse. For sure, the running is worse. Yeah. But it, let's not pretend we had a run game last year. We thought, we thought Elijah Collins was, I mean, he was quiet good. Um, but we were all still frustrated with the inability to run the ball. Yep. So I, I don't know. Well, I just don't see it changing. Let's, let's say this. We... And specifically, Rocky Lombardi had a fantastic game, probably the best game of his career two weeks ago at Michigan, right? Oh, okay. This team, (laughs) this, this, yeah, 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 no. This team has the capacity. I mean, let's be clear. This team has the capacity. And as you said at the lead on this, for, for, for this, for our, you know, on the green wall for here for football, that what we gave up, we gave up because of turnovers that seven points on the board were sort of their own earned points that everything else was effectively a, a, a come up and star failure. And and you can point to the same factor analysis when you look at the Rutgers um, game. Yep. So in these respects, these numbers 
are a creation of our own making. In other words, you have to you've got to give the defense credit because they're doing their work. This these numbers are reflective of of our own offense ineptitude. When we trip over our own feet, that's when we're giving the other teams the opportunity. And I know that that seems like a, a straightforward answer, but it isn't just that we're not good. It's that it's when we are actively bad that we're losing the game. And we don't always have to be actively bad. We have, we've demonstrated that we have the capacity not to be actively bad. So the question for me is, how do you flip that switch? Because there is no re- you know, Indiana's good this year. There's no doubt about it. There's zero doubt about it. Rutgers, I, I don't know how you explain Rutgers. And Michigan, you yeah, know, they're, they're their, the Connor Hayward of, well, of the Big Ten teams. They've gone from abysmal to just merely bad. There it is. There it is. And but they sure showed us. They sure yes. showed us. So so and Michigan is is objectively bad this this year. I mean, objectively bad. And and that's why I mean, we're going to get to them. But but that's why we were, you know, why we well, it's one of the reasons we did as well as we did, because they, they just weren't much of a challenge and because we played well. So. You know, I know we want to look ahead to Maryland and we're going to get to that, but uh, maybe we're going to get to that. Uh, maybe maybe it'll happen. But, you know, it'll be exciting for me to see. Maryland is a team that, again, you know, and I think I said this to you before we came on the air today, Mike. I have been wrong about every single prognostication that I've made this season. So we will lose to Maryland. In fact, we're going to lose every other game. I just want to say it right now. And hopefully <laughs> I, my, my wrongness can continue to trend. I think I made the point. You know, th- this is on. It continues to be on us. We don't have to be this bad. We are opting to be. And that has to Yeah. Stop. Because, it, you know, we could have given up 21 points to Indiana. And that would have been also still a respectable. I know we gave up 24, but like yeah. 20, 21 points against a good Indiana team. Like, all right, okay, that you can have a good defensive outing at 21 points. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. What's what's puzzling is that 24 of them came in one half. Yes. And and it was the result of those turnovers. So And that we failed to put a single point on the board. That that yes. is that to me is the most inexcusable part of that game. Yeah, and and it's getting to the point that, you know, I, I think there's a, a big part of of what's happening now where the coaching staff is actively trying to make tape where, that they can show recruits and say, hey, this is what you're going to be doing here, right? Like, see, we need your help to do this thing that we're trying to do that we can't do right now. And that's all well and good. But it's getting to the point that I'm going to start worrying about losing some of these recruits. Yes. Because why would you want to come play here? <laughs> yeah, the, um, ding, 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 ding. Yep. So, you know, I don't care if you got to go air raid offense for the, for the back half of the season do it like let's let's go let's get this locked up let's get a couple wins under our belt and because if you know if we won three games i mean it's it's going to be against the teams that we we thought we were for sure going to lose to because this is a weird year but um we would have been fine with three i think in a rebuild year and so yeah you know we again though i would say Look at what progress is being made and look and don't look at progress from uh, the whole of the team. Like Trenton Gillison, tight end, is getting more reps, right? That's a good thing. He's he's a guy that that at tight end, you know, we've had our eye on for a while. Um, Angelo Gross, uh, true freshman. Yep. Got a start at or maybe not a start, but got significant snaps at the the nickelback spot. And um and he played a hell of a game. At yep. one point in time, 
He shed a block to make a tackle like in a very impressive, mature way, particularly for a true freshman. There are bright spots for the future here. I just don't, I think if you're looking to the scoreboard, you're, you're, you're just looking to be a masochist. And, um, and so, you know, you can be frustrated. I get frustrated during the games too, but that, that frustration quickly wanes because for me, you know, you're like, okay, you know, I saw, I saw a thing here. I saw a thing there, whatever, you know, we'll get them. We'll get them next year. Well, so, um, I say that so many times. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Izzo's basketball team here, huh? Yes. Uh, there's not much to say uh, right now, uh, except we got all the recruits. Bingo. We got them all. Go. Bada boom. They signed their bada letters. Bing. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. We, I think have opted as a pod to not talk about the Ipsy prep game against team sizzle. Um, yeah. yeah. Though I do, I do think every player on team sizzle should be slapped in the face for playing on a team called team sizzle. Um, like it just, am I, am I wrong here? It's no, just a bad name. That's it's a bad, it's not good. It's very bad and very not good. No, no. Um, yep, yep, we, yep, yep. uh, Imani, uh, played well. Uh, I think he forced some things, but you know, he's going to be a great player and he's not going to have to guard like a seven foot dude who can dribble like a guard, um, every time he plays. Yeah. So, well, uh, um, do you see what Izzo said about Langford as close to a hundred percent as he's going to be? So oh, I know. And, and I got the tingles. Well, I got the tingles until I realized that Tom Izzo can't tempt the the fates that way. You can't put that into the universe with the poor history this poor bastard's gone through. There's there's video of him dunking, so okay, I'm all in. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, we are going to do a basketball preview next week, maybe. but the. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it, it, assuming basketball has not yet been canceled, we will do a preview next week. You know, I, as I told you, I'm not optimistic, but I've been wrong many times before, so it remains to be seen. All right, with that, we are going to move to a special interview with a guy that we know from Twitter, JD underscore Jerbear, to chat a little bit of MSU hockey. All right, I am now joined by the one, the only, JD underscore Jerbear on Twitter. That's at JD, JD underscore Jerbear, uh, who's here to chat a little MSU hockey with us. Uh, Jerbear, how are you doing, man? Doing good. It's uh, it's Sunday night. I'm assuming that uh, by Thursday we'll still actually have a hockey season, but I don't take anything for granted <laughs> this year. So uh, are you, is, hockey on, is hockey on the list of exceptions for the new order? It is. I mean, Michigan's playing. I guess it doesn't matter that Michigan's playing right now because the order starts Wednesday. But uh, it sounds like hockey's allowed. Um, but Question fans, mark? But family is not allowed. So, uh, so unfortunately for the MSU family, they will not get to see their kids play at least the first couple weeks. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, at this point, it looks like it's allowed for at the college level. But high school and junior hockey is out. Well, I think we're all kind of feeling generally that way about sports. Uh, you know, each week is a blessing. Um, <laughs> so uh, I guess, you know, before we start talking about this year's MSU team, uh, for listeners who maybe don't follow the hockey team, despite us preaching last year, you really should check them out. Um, 
because it was an affordable game to go to and was fun. And then we lost all sports people. You got to check them out. Tell the folks, how did we do last year? You know, what the, what the team look like? How did it feel? And how's it, how's it feeling coming into this year? Uh, so last year was a, a pretty hot start by uh, expectations and it kind of tailed off a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, that, you know, it helps that John Letheman and Matt had his best season as a senior, which is what you need to have happen. Uh, he probably would be signed somewhere in the NHL if, you know, timelines didn't all get messed up in March. Um, right. You know, a little, uh, little hiccup happened right when his hockey career at MSU ended. But uh, yeah, I think it was, it was a different type of season where, um, you know, Taro Hirose was gone. They weren't quite as high scoring or didn't feel like they had the same top line talent uh, scoring ability, but they had more depth scoring, which I think is a sign of uh, Dan Cole's progress in that it's not just, you know, a top six, like there's actually some depth on this team now. Uh, so yeah, it went really good as a, as a start, but it did kind of trail off there towards the end of the year, lost some of their steam, uh, which ended with them, losing in the playoffs to Michigan. So never the way you want to end the season, but, uh, but Hey, no. it wouldn't have mattered if they won that series. Anyways, the Michigan never played another game after it because the season was canceled in between the two. So it, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered if they moved down. It probably would have been more heartbreaking because, you know, they would be close to getting an NCAA tournament bid and then there was no tournament. So, um, sure. You know, yeah, it was, uh, not the way that they wanted the season to end, but, I think there were still those signs you could find of uh, progress last year for sure. Now we, we had asked our our listeners or at least our followers anyway, on Twitter to, to send in some questions and I'm going to not credit any of them for the questions. I'm just going to assume credit, but uh, one person did ask us uh, and I'll just say this is from our Canadian audience who apparently really follows the game that last year's matchup with Arizona State was scoreless until an overtime win. Does MSU coming into this year, see we're segueing to this year, uh, do they have the scoring power to get things done in regulation this time? And relatedly, all the Sun Devil games are on the road this year? Is this a good thing or a bad thing for the Sun Devils? Uh, I mean, they play in a pretty bad rink, so I think it's got to be an advantage from that perspective. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like, I think they feel like the airs, like the uh, Alaska kids usually do. Like, Alaska used to do three weeks away from campus, but they didn't have a pandemic that caused it. Um, right. I don't know anything about Arizona State, but I assume maybe they're like MSU, where most of their classes were online anyway. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If there's one sport where I think the kids are going to be okay being away for a whole season, it's probably hockey. I mean, all these guys played junior hockey and moved out of their parents' house sometimes as young as 15 or 16 years old. So I think if you find a sport that is probably going to be the most okay with doing an entire road warrior type season, yeah. it might be Arizona State, or not Arizona State, but might be you know hockey players in general. Um, but yeah, it's it's got to be a disadvantage at some point because who wants to be, you know, I love the cold, but who wants to be in like South Bend, Indiana in January when you're an Arizona state student and you could be at the pool. I don't know, man. Like that's yeah. That Tuesday, that Tuesday night skate is not going to feel fun. So, uh, I, I would gladly be, be at a eventually. rink. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to be in a rink in Arizona. That right? would be great, but I have zero interest in being in South Bend. Yeah. And I don't um, even know, I don't know what their plans are. I mean, so, so the big 10 schedule right now only has 
phase ten, phase one done, so it's ten games. I assume that they're not going home for any of these. Like they're just staying on the road the whole time. Uh, sure. But maybe they are. Maybe they're flying home after. You know, so they play MSU next Thursday and Friday. Maybe they're flying home Friday and coming back out on Thursday. So I don't know. I, I don't know their plans, but if they're on the road the whole time, that uh, that's going to get old fast. Sure. Well, so let's talk about this year. Uh, you know, uh, people want to know. So part of that question was, are, are we going to have more scoring power? But I think uh, we've got some additional questions sort of, uh, who who should we be looking at uh either new people on the team or or people who have developed uh year over year that that you think will take on sort of a a leading role to to get the team rolling this year yeah so i mean we've got one last part of the khl line left uh mitch lewandowski is the last remaining player um so he's gonna be probably counted on to score a lot uh he had a little bit of a down year last year where sophomore year he was the highest scoring player uh, really most of the season, um, but kind of fell off last year and it was more of Patrick Kodorenko scoring the goals and Mitch had a little bit of a struggle. So uh, it'll be interesting to see him now with two new line mates, um, or at least one new one now that Patrick Kodorenko is not around, what he looks like. But I think, you know, it's the scoring is going to start with him. Uh, some guys that I think you should keep an eye on that were freshmen last year are Josh Nodler and Nico Mueller. Uh, Josh Nildler was the young, I believe he was the youngest player in college hockey last year. He was 17 when the season started, uh, nice. which it's, it's getting more and more rare to have a freshman come in right out of high school, like high school age. Um, and he did that. So, uh, I think even though he played junior hockey and had played older guys, it's still a jump to college. So, uh, hopefully with a longer off season and going through last season, he's a little bit more ready for just the wear and tear that you have and the physicality. Uh, and freshman-wise, Kristoff uh, Papp is probably the easy pick. Um, I know Dan Cole at his press conference talked about he is probably going to be first or second line center. Uh, he was on NHL draft kind of bubble. Uh, didn't end up going selected, but he was right on that bubble. He's the only freshman that really had a, had a chance at that happening. So He's going to be a guy to watch, and I've, I've really enjoyed watching him in his junior hockey days, and he's a fun player. He adds to our international flavor, being from Budapest. So, yeah, I think I think those three are probably up front who you should keep an eye on. Uh, you know, Nodler, Pap, and Lewandowski. I think, you know, that's going to be the top end scoring for sure. Now, uh, regarding this year, uh, for folks who don't know, uh, Munn had been under some construction. We did get a question about how it's looking right now. Do you happen to have any insight on on how we're doing on that front? I mean, only from the outside, but it looks amazing. Uh, it's kind of weird to have mine. I never thought it was an eyesore, but you could certainly call it an eyesore compared to, <laughs> you know, especially once Breslin really added on the new coach's offices, right? Uh, like the new part of Breslin being the closest thing to mine made it look so strange. So uh, the nice part of the new entryway and the new the new construction there is I think it looks, it looks like it fits in really well with like the uh, Scandalera center across the street for football with those, uh, you know, coaches offices right there for basketball. Like it looks like a good fit. Um, and it's beautiful when you drive down uh, Shaw and you see it. So it's, uh, it's looking solid. I know it got put on pause uh, at one of the board of trustees meetings or one of the budgetary things right now. So I don't know where they stand on, getting that done um 
but it's uh, it's going to look nice when it is done. I, I know, feel bad a little bit for the seniors. They're supposed to have a new locker room and new everything this year. Uh, but with the pandemic, that's not going to happen. So a little sad for them, but uh, it looks beautiful from the outside for sure. And it, you'd mentioned that um, that there's 10, 10 games scheduled in sort of a phased approach. Uh, that's obviously quite different than how uh, football's been handling their scheduling. Uh, and it's seemingly, maybe, we don't really know, but probably how basketball is going to be handling things. Can you explain to, to people who aren't familiar how, um, how the Big Ten, from a hockey perspective, is, is attempting to tackle scheduling during COVID times? Yeah, so, so right now we've only got 10 games out uh, through the, basically the holiday break there. Uh, so they tried to get as many series in uh, before, you know, A, expecting a bubble of possibly COVID increase due to holiday travel and all those things. But um, utilizes as a lot of these campuses now are going to be pretty empty. A uh, chance to kind of bubble up and get some games done. So they've uh, only come out with 10 games so far, but the way the season is supposed to work is uh, four games against the six conference opponents. So 24 games there, uh, two home, two away. And then the Arizona State kind of tie-in is that they will play each Big Ten team four times uh, as to count as non-conference. So they end up getting a 28-game season, which I would imagine uh, with the Ivy League schools sitting out and I uh, just saw a news alert right now that Vermont is out until December 18th. Uh, I don't think many college programs are going to have 28 games, so that's probably going to set the Big Ten apart. Um, we obviously don't even know what a national tournament is going to look like if there is going to be one. So, uh, yeah, so play every team four times, home and away. The other kind of quirky part is there's going to be, since there's no fans, they don't have to be on Friday and Saturday for attendance reasons. So I know like here in the first half of the season, MSU plays on every day of the week, but Monday. Uh, so they have a Tuesday, Wednesday game with Wisconsin in December. Uh, this weekend or this upcoming week, they play Arizona State Thursday and Friday. Um, so I think, yeah, Monday is the only day of the week that they don't play a game. So they're going to have a Sunday game against Notre Dame. They're going to have some Thursdays and some midweek uh, which hopefully will allow them to get picked up for more television, hopefully, uh, than right. what, what's released right now. But, um, yeah, with not having to have the fans there, uh, they are able to kind of give you a little bit more of a different day of the week set up for, for the games. Sure. So I have a, a handful of questions that we were asked that, that didn't fit anywhere in particular. Um, and so we're just going to call these, generally speaking, existential questions uh, as it relates to hockey. And, uh, and the first, uh, first couple come from, of course, the one, the only, the upper deck jerk guy who wants to know what hockey position would Grooch play and why is it the water boy? I'm assuming Grooch is Grek here. Yes. Uh, yeah. Indeed. Like, oh, Grooch, man. Uh, well, I mean, he's tall and skinny, right? That's the whole thing. Uh, I still haven't yes. met him yet, but I'm going to say, I mean, tall and skinny is not good for anything. I'm going to put him as no. goalie because, uh. <laughs> the pads make up for it. Yeah, we're gonna need those pads make up for it. I don't really want him getting hurt uh, having to be. Phys- <laughs> I mean, we could send him up to Ontario where they're not allowed to check this year. So I guess that would be you know he oh, clean wow. up there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think he'd have to be the goalie. Like that body type is just gonna 
I don't know if he's flexible or not, but it's going to have to be that. It's going to have to be goalie or you'd make a hell of a linesman, you know, as a ref. So. Sure. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, that, that feels right for him. Uh, next up. Uh, what letter Kenny character does Jones most remind you of? That is to say me. Yeah. So I really had to think about this deeply. First of all, I need an update. Have you started watching letter Kenny yet? I, I started an uh, episode. Okay. I, all right. So I went kind of deep into this. So first of all, you're a coastal elite, so you really don't fit any character <laughs> on this show. It's kind of weird. You're trying. So if we went with not a reoccurring character, there's a character who uh, comes in and is a talent agent for models. That would be you. Perfect. He, Love he, it. He hates being in Letterkenny because he wants to get back to Toronto and be in the city. Um, Toronto or Montreal. He just hates being in the, around Hicks. So I think that would be you. If you had to be a sure. reoccurring character, you probably have to be Derry because you're, you're, you're the nice guy of MSU Twitter most of the time. <laughs> uh, I feel like you'd eat a lot of yogurt. Um, That's fair. Yeah, I think you have to be Derry. Derry's a nice guy, right. though. It's not a bad thing to be Derry. But uh, it's, Derry, uh, uh, aptly named for eating yogurt. Um, yes. <laughs> got it. Uh, next up is Elon Bloom, who wants to know, this is a good question, uh, and uh, with sports revenues taking a major hit this year and already affecting uh, the Illinois debut of a, uh, of a hockey team, how long until we see more Big Ten schools adding hockey? This, uh, this reminds me of the article, Matt, or it wasn't even an article, I think it was just a tweet from Matt Brown about that there's some sense in just adding additional sports, even if you don't give them a ton of scholarships because people will come to play at places like the big 10, right? Yeah. That's a tough one though. I mean, the, I agree with Matt Brown's uh, assumption there. The hard part at the D one level is if you want to play in the big 10, it is an 18 scholarship sport. So it's, and most teams are rostering 25-ish guys. So you do have some some guys paying tuition to be there. Uh, but it's not as much as like, you know, when you add softball and they may only have six scholarships, but you're having 25 to 30 athletes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So I'll have to say, like, it's not, a, it's not completely answering his question the way you intended it. But I will say I think this is a trial year and Arizona State joins the league. Um, Right now, there's just no league that makes sense for Arizona State. And without them having a new arena, they're not going to get into the NCHC, which is the closest geographic league for them. So for me, I feel like this is kind of going to be a trial run for them to be the eighth team that comes in. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame is already in, and they're not a Big Ten member in anything else. So there's precedent there. Um, so I think Arizona State comes in, and then – that kind of opens up the door to all types of possibilities. I don't think there's any other Big Ten school anywhere close to doing it besides Illinois. Um, so I wonder if you open that door to Arizona State, is there some Pac-12 schools that want to do it uh, and have almost like a, a combined league? But yeah, I can't see any school adding this in the next three to five years um, without – Basically, the Terry Pagula Penn State situation, where some really rich guy wants to give you fifty million dollars. I mean, that's that's basically what it comes down to. Arizona State had a lot of struggles when they started out because they didn't have Terry Pagula money. They still don't have an arena on campus, and they play in an arena that is made for youth hockey. I mean, it's metal features. It's less than a thousand people. It is not. It's not a Division One rink. So, um, 
you know, unless you, there's always those types out there. I mean, that's how Arizona state got 30 million and it's because of a guy that was from Chicago and his son went to Arizona state and he wanted to give them money for a hockey program. So maybe one of those guys exists, but I don't know which program uh, in COVID times is looking to, to make that investment. Cause you really need an on-campus arena right away. Right. Uh, I think Nebraska is one that the building has the capability and they have junior hockey there. I just don't know if there's any appetite from the school to want to do that. I got four rapid fire questions for you. Sounds good. First, can Denton Cole get us back to winning like in the Ron Mason era? Yes or no? Yes. I mean, Ron Mason. So but here's how I put it. Ron Mason was really good. Not as dominant as maybe people think. I mean, it was still one national title. Uh, a, a good chunk of conference titles. Like, I absolutely think Dan Cole can do that. Um, I don't know if you'll ever see, especially now with Big Ten hockey, instead of being in a league like the CCHA, I don't think you'll ever see MSU or really maybe any Big Ten school ever have the consistency of making the NCAA tournament or the way that the Ron Mason era went. Uh, but the highs sure. of the Ron Mason era, absolutely. But I don't think you're going to find that consistency in a league where, I mean, seven of you know five of the top college hockey programs are in the same conference like historically and so that's just going to be really hard uh to consistently make that tournament and how long do you think until uh we have a chance to win a natty or not even not even not to win a natty just a chance at it i mean so with my rant of i i hate the NCAA tournament i mean it's winning four games so i basically it's his game of the tournament i think that can happen in the next two to three years um, perfect i mean my favorite class of kids is really supposed to be the next year class of course i don't know how they're going to develop because a lot of junior leagues are <laughs> stop right. and start this year so it's a little bit hard to know um you know a, a lot of these kids are going to lose a really important year at their development so that could be something that maybe changes my mind a little bit if uh these junior leagues continue to have all the cancellations they've had but i think you know two to three years there's going to finally be the depth to get through a full season uh, and have have a shot at it. So, yeah, absolutely. Two to three years being the tournament and then ride a hot goalie. That's all you need. Uh, last question. Uh, actually, second to last question. Uh, this is from Nate C. How much chirping is allowed in college <laughs> hockey? So this question made me laugh only because I I laughed at the, uh, the thought that it wasn't allowed. <laughs> I mean, I... I First of all, for chirping is talking, uh, you know, for those that don't know. But, uh, I mean, I I work with kids at 13 that chirp for 40 minutes. So they, they do this when they're little kids. It doesn't stop magically in college. Um, <laughs> they have a cage on. They even chirp more because they don't have to get punched in the face. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty much nonstop. I'd say uh, the refs are a little bit more touchy. Don't. You know, you maybe can't say the things you can say to like an AHL ref or an NHL ref that you can say to a, a college ref. They're a little bit more touchy about that. They, you know, they left their sure. job as insurance salesman to get there early and ref your game. Don't say something mean about them. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's at my family's seats have always been right by the uh, visitor's tunnel. And yeah, I can tell you it's uh, it's pretty chirpy down there. It's it's fun. Yeah. You hear some words that are are really fun when you're like six years old. So very colorful, <laughs> very family friendly. Uh, all right. Last question for you. You said ASU's up first. Yes. Yep. 
Yes, Thursday and What's Friday. your prediction? Uh, well, so they just got swept by Michigan, and they got beat pretty badly. It was an 11-1 to over the two games. So uh, they look like they aren't as good as they've been. Um, so the thing they will have going for them is they've had two games while we haven't. So uh, I'll take the hedge bet and say we split with them. Um, you know, it's really going to come down to – I love Drew DeRitter as our goalie. I've looked forward to him being at MSU, but he – got behind a really hot upper senior or upper class goalie. So I want to see him as a junior. If he takes the steps, I think he can take, I think we could sweep him this weekend, but uh, it's always hard when hockey's a really tough sport. I feel like to come in rusty, uh, to have a team that played two games while you're coming out for game one is pretty brutal. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that they may catch us off, off balance on that first night. And then uh, we'll pull the, pull the split out of it on Friday. Nice. Well, Jerry Bear, go green. Go white. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Jerry Bear, of course, for joining us to chat a little MSU hockey. What uh, a before dude. we move on, what a dude. <laughs> and a guy. And a guy. And a guy. A real hockey yeah. dude guy. Love that guy. Dude guy. Um, we are going to say a quick word about our dear friend, Brandon Sands who wants to let you know that mortgage rates are very near historical lows. Exceptionally low rates. Plum, did you know that? Uh, exceptionally low. In fact, in fact, so low that if you are in the market to buy a home, uh, you've got Brandon Sands, who can originate your, uh, your home mortgage for you. Or, or if your rate is 4% or higher, you're probably, okay, it's not a probably, you're paying too much. And yeah. Brandon has already helped some co-host of this pod, uh, save hundreds, maybe thousands a month by consolidating their high interest debts, refinancing the home. So no, this is the time you got to contact Brandon Sands right now. Absolutely. Contact Brandon. Uh, he's got a consultative approach. Talk about your long-term goals, short-term goals, you know, um, have a beer with you. Talk about your income, talk about your credit. You know, who, who doesn't love having a conversation about their credit? Maybe over a beer. Um, yeah, yeah, or shots. Uh, you can go to rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com backslash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. Rate.com backslash Brandon Sands to get in touch and refi or buy a home. Um, That's another dude. I love that guy. I really feel like this ad probably needs some fine print right at the back end of it. Mm. You know? Yeah. Like, so there's something about selling money that I think requires a lot of fast talking at the back end. Oh, um, yeah. Or like bring your own beer. <laughs> yes. Yes. BYOB. BYOB. Terms and conditions are subject to BYOB. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, let's head off Grand River Plum. Oh, uh, where I think we need to pour one out for Michigan I because mean. they got body bagged <laughs> on the field and in social media by wisconsin <laughs> you know okay so i mean i don't know who did this but i love whoever did this and if you did this i love you uh the the the, the broadcast they kept zooming in on they found whoever they found that kid you know the kid from the oh we got trouble with a snap yeah and they put his face on one of those you know uh face dealies that are all in the, in the stands. I mean, so I, it was, it's actually someone who does, uh, who's a writer for TV. Um, who's a Spartan alum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. Cause that made me very, very happy. Very happy. Indeed. Uh, 
Yeah, and uh, Wisconsin tweeted that picture out from the the broadcast. Um, they did a oh, uh, they, you know, they play did a play on the uh, how it started, how it's going thing that's happening on Twitter with uh, the score from last year's beating of Michigan to this year's. Um, there was another uh, particularly savage moment they had that uh, I just, you know. First of all, they were unduly cruel (laughs) to the University of Michigan. And it makes me wonder uh, if if Jim Harbaugh had personally pissed in the Cheerios of their social media director. But well, and I don't know. Yeah. What did he do to Paul Christ? I mean, that's my question, because the guy is clearly I mean, (laughs) good for him. Good for him. Yes. That's a man that doesn't wear khakis to to football games. And uh, we can see why. Uh (laughs) I uh, I do want to say very briefly, um, you know, um, Bob Wojanowski from the Detroit News. Sure, Wojo. Yeah, Wojo. Um, Wojo's a moron. Okay. And <laughs> there it is. I, I so <laughs> Wojo, uh, uh, you know, is a columnist. It's his it's his duty to write columns, and he likes to write a lot of columns about Michigan. They tend to be very excited. Yeah. Um almost like they were written with one hand and well, that's the Detroit news, but go on <laughs> the, but today Wojo's column was about the quarterback uh, issues at Michigan state. This coming after yep. the man that the Detroit news had anointed as the next cam Newton yep. in uh, Joe Milton was benched in the Wisconsin game in favor of someone who then came out and proceeded to score a touchdown, whose name I will not dignify because they will just anoint him as the next Tom Brady. It is absurd. Yeah, he's uh, the guy went to Michigan, right? He's he's just in that. You know, the thing is, uh, the the thing I'm going to you were going back and forth with John U. Bacon a little bit on Twitter, and I loved that. I loved that. who, Who thought who thought we named our podcast unironically can't read can't write yes well the man is a is a historian and historian one might say so we can forgive him if uh if uh irony and sarcasm are a little bit uh too too highbrow for 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 our friend john u bacon but i will say at the end of the day he did hat tip to you i can't imagine you would get quite the same deference out of wojo who's just i mean he writes for the detroit news it speaks for itself what can you say but it's also baffling to me that this is a tangent, but like, I don't understand if you're trying to, when, when there is a limited pool of dollars to buy subscriptions and particularly while we're in the middle of a pandemic and a recession that's correlated with that, that, that you're, you're trying to drive subscriptions. And so you are going to have to alienate one fan base from your state by writing something so inane and not also acknowledge the the real struggles from the team that expected to be good this year. Yeah. Like, well, I think that's no your bigger point. No one expected us to be good this year. That's that's your bigger point. I mean, because his, his indictment on Michigan State's quarterback issues are well-founded and apparent. In fact, you didn't even need to write the article. Anyone with eyes. That's my point. It's yes, not a story. It's not a story. Fine. But you can still let us have it because, to be completely fair, Rocky should be better than he is right now. And the fact that he isn't and the fact that these turnovers are hampering us is as inexplicable as it is incredibly frustrating. But that said, your 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 other point is the one that's better taken, which is simply that take the fucking log out of your eye, Wojo, because there's, there's a lot more happening in your neck of the woods with the bumble 
poops who can't. Yeah. I mean, my, my God. So no, your, your points, your points will take him, but I think that's, you know, he's, he's 50% right. The second thing I'll say is the news isn't catering and the news doesn't really, the Detroit news doesn't care because who they're catering to is a certain sect of Oakland County yuppie, more right leaning. And this isn't political, but they're, but that's just who they, they're a more conservative bent newspaper. Nolan Finley is a well-known conservative and is the editor of the news. This is the, that's just the, that's their market. And so you're looking at U of M fans that probably make their home in the, in the, you know, metropolitan Detroit area in the suburbs. They're the ones who live for this. This is the shit that they love to read. So, you know, in that respect, no, he's, he's preaching to his choir and they're, they're, they're drinking it up. Well, let's just say, uh, you know, you may, listeners may recall that we discussed a while back during, I believe it was postponement times um, before football got started, that there was a conference call between uh, Big Ten coaches in which it was reported, though it got slightly uh, corrected on the reporting, but the, the legend was is that uh, Ryan Day snapped at Jim Harbaugh because Jim Harbaugh was complaining about OSU doing some like having a coach in a room that they shouldn't have. Um, and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to put a hundred on you this year. And uh, I just, I only recall bring that up because Michigan, we <laughs> thought was outmatched against OSU to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they yeah. look real bad. And Ryan day really hates Michigan in a way that frankly, I respect Okay, so. <laughs> you know, I'm going to just say I'm, we're going to put 100 on you. This that that the whole sequence of that conversation is is just toxic masculinity. It. It's toxic I'm masculinity. It. You can be you, because it's Harbaugh. If he talked like that to Mel Tucker, which Mel it would never happen because Mel Tucker would never get himself into that situation. But if he did, we I mean, my god, you know, someone that looks like him with those eyebrows, Ryan has zero, zero place saying anything offensive to anyone. He should simply be grateful that people aren't throwing shit at his face every time he goes into public. He, I is, love it. He, uh, well, I'll let that, I'll let it go. But, but I, I find it to be just par for the course for someone from Ohio. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> And speaking about Ohio, let's talk about Cincinnati for a second. You know, and other people running up the score. And other people running up the score. That was lovely. I mean, yeah. For those who don't know, Luke Fickle, head coach of Cincinnati, um, Cincinnati was playing Eastern Carolina University, who uh, was they were beating thirty-five to nothing. I think sure in the fourth quarter, they were winning handedly. Um, and, uh, in the fourth quarter, Luke fickle on fourth down decides to go for it with a fake punt. It, it defies seemingly explanation. Sure. So what, what's your take on this? Well, okay. Uh, First thing is that's football. That's all sports. You run up the score. In fact, I'll tell you as a referee of a sport, uh, I like when the score gets to a certain point because then I get to invoke the mercy rule. And so I get to go home early. Now, I know that doesn't happen here, but my whole point is the, 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 uh, the objective of the game is to score. The objective of the game is to put in players who don't get as much playing time and, and, and let them play. Let them have fun. Let them try some new things. So, yeah, you want to run a fake punt up 32 in the fourth? Why the heck not? Go for it. it, it, it just, it's a silly time to do silly things. East Carolina got themselves into that situation by being bad. I hope that someone <laughs> does it to us. I'm sure someone will do it to us, and it will be on us. 
None of us have the right to be angry because another team is running up the score. Don't be bad, and they can't do that to you. I mean, <laughs> I'm not complaining about the score, Rutgers. I, I, obviously, 24 points is uh, 20, whatever it was uh, on Saturday. Is 24 to 20, in, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. 20, that, no one's going to call that running up the score. But you know what I mean? Like, it's, we're not talking about that big of a score difference here. At the end of the day, they, they beat them up 30. So whatever. You know, I, I, I don't see the issue. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that, you know, Cincinnati currently undefeated is – trying desperately to get in the playoffs. I mean, if there was ever a year that they could do it, it's this year. And they're up against a BYU team that puts a lot of points on the board to begin with. So, you know, they're they're scoring style points like it's the BCS era. Sure. And more power to them. More power to them. Yeah. And and you know what? Eastern Carolina, you're right. Be better. Pick better colors, by the way. Yeah, no one Um, wants purple. You. No, before we move on, we want to do sort of a a quick round robin on COVID updates because, well, there's a lot more COVID in our lives. Um, Those of you in the state of Michigan have, uh, you know, uh, seen increased restrictions as of, was it today? Well, it goes effective Wednesday. Effective. So effective, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, effective two days from the date of recording. Yeah. and uh, so accordingly or not, uh, but you're seeing movement in uh, in the responses from college athletics. So uh, first major one is the NCAA has announced that they're moving March Madness to a single site. Uh, it seems likely to certain that it's Indianapolis. Right. Um, this will be great because maybe Harbaugh can finally take a trip there. Um, <laughs> but. Otherwise, uh, it will be it, it's a town that can handle uh, the um, the trip. Uh, Indiana, being notoriously pro COVID, um, was eager to accept all these people into their state. Yes. Um, the the one piece that's interesting is Rick Pitino of Sterling Reputation mm. uh, was encouraging the NCAA to actually postpone the season and have a made madness. What are your thoughts on this? It would certainly probably be more vaccine ready at that point. I mean, um, yeah, a couple observations. Uh, and you're going to get to this in a second, but you know, we just hit a million new cases last week, a million new that's a temper in one week, 10% from where we, we, we were at 10 million. And then all of a sudden in one week we went up a full million. That's insane. I mean, this is, yeah. we're so far beyond unchecked community spread at this point. There is, you know, we just saw I, uh, where I work, we just got a little notice that we're not doing contact tracing anymore. Community spread is so prolific that contact tracing is now useless. So at that point, that's a, that's a, just throw your hands up in the air and say, well, I guess you just stay inside and, you know, start shooting anyone that comes onto your lawn. Um, so March madness. Yeah. Highly, highly unlikely. I'm not optimistic. Uh, what we're seeing from vaccine trials right now is high, high, high effectiveness, which is great. Pfizer came out 90%. Their vaccine's looking great. Then just uh, yesterday or today we saw Moderna, um, 95, right? 95, 94.8. Yeah. Very, 94.5. Very, very, very good. You know, we're, we're in the vaccine circles, you know, we look at 70%, 75% efficacy and say, that's, that's darn good. The fact that we're at 90, 95% is, 
it's almost unbelievable. I mean, it's really, really, really impressive. It's very encouraging. And what we're seeing from Pfizer and Moderna is, you know, they're they're kind of saying with emergency FDA approval, emergency use authorization that, um, I mean, you know, the state of manufacturing being able to sort of ramp up the production, we could be ready in uh, April, uh, April for mass distribution. Um, and if that's the case, then uh, a May Madness looks certainly a lot more likely to me than um, than a, than a than a uh, than a March Madness does. And I will say that. You know, there are some there are some issues. Uh, the the Pfizer vaccine is, I think, a single dose, but it is um, the cold chain. The storage for that is insane. You've got to be able to keep that vaccine at negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and if you can't maintain that cold storage, the vaccine will go bad. So um, that's that's you know, that's going to make distribution in, in many, many rural parts of the country. And of course, you know, in, in the global South and lower middle income countries, uh, nearly impossible. Moderna is a, a, a two dose vaccine that requires almost a month in between um, dosage. So when you look at, you know, the ability, if you can start getting folks inoculated in, in April, if that's when it can really go wild, you're really not looking to that second vaccine until May, um, that, that second injection, which is really where you're going to hit efficacy. So, you know, I, I think we are, this vaccine availability is way ahead of schedule than where I thought it would be. I didn't think we would be this fast, this early in 2021. The fact that we're talking in spring is great. Um, I just don't think it bodes well for March Madness. But, you know, um, we, we've seen other sports uh, do a bubble. It's completely possible. Um, we're certainly better situated. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, we will charge ahead into the great unknown for all the sports. Um uh, speaking of people who are not charging ahead, though, um, the Ivy League has canceled winter sports. Hat tip. Uh, you know, it, it's funny, Plum. I'm reminded that when you first came on the pod. Yes. That would have been. March, uh, February, March. Yeah, uh, it was it was just after we'd beaten Ohio State. Okay. Uh, Cassius Winston Senior Day. Okay. Uh, maybe it was the episode after that, but um, we were headed into the Big Ten tournament, or so and, we thought. And, and the Ivy League had just canceled. Yep. And this, I'm 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 not feeling good right now, man. And what did I say? What did I tell you would happen for sure after the Ivy League announced that? I correctly indicated that the Big Ten tournament would not take place, and that the NCAA tournament would not take place. And why? Because Correctly then, as correctly now, you can't, I mean, different because you could theoretically do this without having people there, but because you can't trust people to not show up. And that's evidenced by every single state in this country has lost their mind, refusing to wear masks, refusing to do anything that evidences anything of selflessness. Uh, and the Ivy League was, they're smarter than the rest of us. There's a reason for the Ivy League. Uh, and they're just like, screw it. Good for them. There's a reason Michigan's not in it. Um, so... All right. This isn't great. Yeah. Um, but in an effort to continue to play sports, the Big Ten has amended their rules to allow two schools uh, to play a game with each other if their opponents have canceled due to COVID. Um, I hope Michigan State never takes advantage of this. Honestly, yeah. let's play the games that we get and let's otherwise just practice. I mean, how much lead time do you need to be able to make that up, right? Isn't that the question? I mean, how do you how do you just? I, mean, I guess if they're driving, I don't know. Yeah, it's just uh, otherwise it's just sloppy. Like I, I just would rather not do it. Like I, you know, 
fine. If this makes Nebraska happy, fine. But I just otherwise don't care. You know, uh, this year was always just a, I guess we're going to do this um, and we'll make the best of it. But uh, anyway, you got anything else on the COVID front you want to say? Nope. I think I spoke that one to death. All right, great. Uh, Let's have a quick word from our friends at Preserved Homemade. Preserved Homemade is a goods and provision store bringing the tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. Preserved Homemade has recently launched, and they uh, they have a current lineup of seasonal pies for your Thanksgiving, your Friendsgiving. Um, you can uh, there certainly will be there's going to be a drop coming for the rest of the holiday season coming soon. You can check out Preserved Homemade on the Instagram at Preserved underscore Homemade, or head to their website at preserved-homemade.com to treat yourself or someone you love to some homemade goodness. Plum, give me 10 words on preserved homemade. Oh, uh, that's one. Um, <laughs> delicious, gooey. Uh, what's the... They're like they're like crunchy, but also chewy. Like there's a firmness to them, but that's, that's super fresh. Um salty chocolate goodness love of my mm. life i don't know i think that's more than 10 i love it so again preserved homemade you can do is find them at preserved underscore homemade on instagram or preserved dash homemade.com all right uh plum we're gonna talk real quick or rather i'm gonna say some words about maryland um you should and, in a game that is not gonna happen <laughs> Uh, for those who don't know, Maryland has been in the midst of a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, and uh, they uh, they had to cancel last week's game against Ohio State. Um, they're attempting their best, I guess, to recover from COVID-19. They did not practice today. That is Monday. Um, and But they are claiming they have not yet made a final decision on whether they will play Michigan State this weekend. Um, this is borderline absurd. It, it, it seems silly to me that that there ought to be a drop dead date on when you should have to cancel by, but they um they play, it, play it fast and loose. Uh, so uh, they are apparently undergoing right now daily anti- uh, antigen testing. Um, there it's being supplemented by some PCR testing. Yeah. Um, the the thing about Maryland is, so first they lost to Northwestern 43-3, to which at the time LOL. was big, big LOL at the time um, because no one thought Northwestern was going to be any good. Yep. Ends up being Northwestern's maybe good. Good. Um, and then they beat Minnesota 45-44. to wow. And Squeaker. We didn't think Minnesota was as bad as Minnesota is. So... At the time, then they beat Penn State 35, 19. Right. And it's clear that that James Franklin has lost Penn State. Like, I'm pretty sure they're not even letting him on the bus. back. (laughs) Taking a cab. Yeah. Uh, So Maryland is maybe good, but has also played teams that are big bad. So 
it's just weird. Um, the, 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 the point is there's no transitive property anymore for football. And in, in the Big Ten, especially with COVID, there's just no transitive property. Every game is happening in its own bubble. The, the rules of physics no longer apply. I don't even know how gravity works in these games, but nothing makes any sense. And, and when you're a team like Penn State and you have you thought maybe if you just beat Ohio State, you were going to go to the playoffs and then you lost early and it's like, oh, then our season's shot in a covid year, you know, I don't I don't know how much to take with a Penn State win because I just don't know how much Penn State cares right now. So, yeah, anyway, uh, to his younger brother uh, is the QB there. Uh, how do you say his last name I'm, again? Oh, I'm not doing the last name. I'm doing the first name of Talia. Is it sure. Talia? Sure. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. his, uh, is the QB. He's good. Um, that, that's, uh, that's, um, that's real. Uh, they have some great names on their team. Uh, for oh, instance, Chase Campbell, mm. uh, and Jake Funk are great <laughs> names, but, Look, uh, this is the extent of my preview. Yeah, um, that's fine. It's probably not even going to happen, so whatever. Right. So if it does, sorry, you don't you don't tune into this podcast for the for the notorious previews. No, um, you, you just tune in for the rage response afterwards. Or the gloating. <laughs> so before a gloating. Or gloating. Uh, before we get to uh, our Twitter questions for the week, Plum, we have a not a sponsor, correct? We do. Uh, we, these not a sponsors keep coming in, and we love them. They really make a difference in the pod. They make a difference for all of us, and I know they make a difference for you at home. This week's episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by ZipRecruiter, uh, returning uh, sponsor of the pod. Uh, not a sponsor of the pod. Working with the Houston Texans, uh, they're promoting a brand new job posting. And they're putting out feelers across the country for competitive applicants. The youngest team currently competing in the NFL, however, wants you to be sure that you don't confuse their relative youth with any sense of progressive wokeness around manners of gender equity or fair process. They are, after all, in the AFC South. (laughs) After parting with their VP of Communications, Amy Palsik, the Texans want aspiring incumbents who are uh, really a better cultural fit for the organization. Uh, so for example, the job posting lists as preferred traits or skills, drawly accent and <laughs> ability to mansplain. Uh, required tools for the job on the uh, listing include white hood and penis. So anyway, <laughs> listeners of the pod, head on over to Zip Recruiter and help the Texans out as they remind folks everywhere why Texas sucks so much. <laughs> Thank you to the Houston Texans uh, and, of course, to ZipRecruiter for returning. Just think, we could fill this spot with a real advertiser, and we choose to have <laughs> not a sponsors. Um, let's uh, let's head to Twitter questions. Uh, Plum, first question to you from Raymond Chains. How much full pad practice would be needed for the Spartans to remember to hold onto the ball and tackle at the hips and knees? <laughs> I know they can do better. Uh, or I know they can do better or they would have never been recruited question mark. Yeah. Well, he ain't wrong. Uh, full pad practice. Uh, they should be in full pad pad practice prop for, for their sins. They should be in full pad practice for up to six hours a day, every single day until Saturday. Um, well, that the- humanitarian organization, the NCAA, would never allow it. No, that's true. They do care about these young men and their, their futures, <laughs> but he's right. <laughs> They were recruited. They were actually recruited to hold on to the ball or alternatively 
to not throw the ball to the opponents. Um, so yeah, you are right to expect that they will do better, Raymond. You are absolutely right to expect that. Yes. Uh, next up from Raymond, this week on the D'Antonio Show, Coach Tucker drunkenly calls at midnight begging Coach D to take his old job back, or in keeping with the dyed hair and the new tats, Coach D grows his own strain of weed called the no-fly zone. You know, I think for me, uh, I, Tucker, it's way too soon. He's not calling. He's not calling Coach D in the middle of the night. This is he's UC Mel. He's fired up. He's confident. He's not. He's not worried about a single thing here. And you frankly, know, I think he's. I think he's excited to cut cut all of Coach D's players. I, and, and maybe that's what the phone call is about. Frankly, but uh, but the drunkenly is just so he ensures that he says every last thing he knows he wants to say. Um, that said. <laughs> For sure, Coach has is, is, is got a little operation going in the basement, and Becky is none too pleased until she takes a couple hits of the no-fly zone, and then, well, maybe she's kind of uh, okay with it again. So, yeah, uh, you know, that dyed hair took a couple years off of him, too. Uh, so, yeah. For sure. It's good. All right, so, Jones. Do you attend? Well, you don't. I guess this is Raymond's asking a question. Do you guys attend MSU games in person most years? I'm going to miss hockey and women's basketball when this ends. A meetup for the stars of Can't Read, Can't Write, and their adoring public is in order. And I will say, uh, Greg and I are both pretty. We try to get in at least a couple games a season. Greg might get in more games in person being in East Lansing than I do. I know you don't, Jones. Um, unfortunately, though, that's going to have to change now that the pod exists. Now that the pod exists. I mean, so what do you think? What is this meetup for the stars? What are you, what are you thinking here? <laughs> stars, uh, for their adoring public. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, the plan had been to do something this year. Um, yeah, you right. know, and the, and the thought was to be able to do something that was both around basketball and football. Right. Um, so that maybe we could do one of each game, but Sadly, um, was not. I did see a basketball game last year, though, at the uh, the Madison Square Garden. Um, oh, MSG, mm-hmm. love it. Um, just like the seasoning. Well, uh, but uh, it, Raymond, uh, we want to, we'd love to, and hope to. It's just you know, life's got to get normal again. Yeah, but when so, it does, when it does. Yeah. All right, uh, Upper Deck Jerk Guy. Jones, who are you most excited to see play for the Spartan basketball team? I mean, this this is a tough question because, uh, I mean, it, it seems like the I, – well, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think maybe Hauser because I haven't seen him suit up as a Spartan. Okay. But then I'm also like, well, I kind of want to see what Rocket Watts turns into. Sure. But then there's also Foster. Like I, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm telling you, it's Langford. If he's really 100, percent it's Langford for me. So see, I've never actually been a big Langford fan. I just want to say, well, how could you be? He's played all of 13 seconds in the past seven years, so it's impossible <laughs> to know how he'll play. Uh, what kind of hooch does Grooch smooch? Mm. I will say Grooch is one of the most hooch smoochin' slooches that I've ever had the pleasure to palooch with if you know what i mean uh and i think everyone does uh i don't know i mean greg so i'm trying to think when we watched the tigers from the safe confines of uh the dac in detroit we had some beers that's not quite hooch uh, john james club 
the John James. Okay, let's not with that. I don't think that we don't need to sully the DAC's name and reputation with um with that poor poor sap. Uh, let's say uh, I bet he's I'm I'm gonna I bet he's a Scotch guy. I'm gonna say he's a uh, he's a he's an I an I lay Scotch guy. Those uh, the he's island- not, but you know who is his wife. Tell me more. Tell us all more. Uh, I don't know that Grooch smooches much hooch any longer. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what he drank in college. I think he just stuck to the malted bevies. Yeah. So uh, we'll have him come back and answer that question next week. Uh, next up is Elon Bloom. Uh, do you think actively talking about getting a fo- getting the football team to a point where Mel Tucker would be the first black coach to win a national uh, football championship would be beneficial from the standpoint of donors and recruits. I think this is a great question. Like, is this something that can be recruited and fundraised off of? Oh, and, and, uh, and frankly, after the, the meltdown of the 2016 team, because of, you know, what was happening in 2016, do you think recruiting to people who, support that idea would lead to a cohesive uh, locker room. I don't. I I think it's a great story for donors. I think it's a great story for program lore. I think it's a great way to brand the program to folks who aren't actually involved in its operations and specifically for the players. I think you recruit the players because of their propensity to get there. But that isn't that and and that is partly due to the leadership of of Mel Tucker and and it would be wonderful for him to be the first black coach. Sorry. It is going to be wonderful when he is the first black coach to win a football national it's, championship. And and the recruits, I think it's important to be part of that history, but you have to remember from their own autonomy, I mean, they're doing this for themselves and they're going to go to the school yeah. that's best situated for that. So whether or not they're making history is ancillary to the, to the controlling question. Now that doesn't mean you don't run with that every minute of the day, but I think Elon Bloom's question is, uh, is asked at the absolute wrong time because we're coming off of games right now where that question is not even actively in the forefront of anyone's mind. Um, at least not with the current quarterback and offensive line. Give me an improvement on the O-line, and then I will answer this question again. Uh, uh, we sort of already answered this one, but where would you put put it in odds? What are the odds we have a normal March Madness in 2021? Uh, normal? Uh, there's no. It's one in four. One in a hundred. One in a hundred chance that we have a like a, a March Madness, like 2019 March Madness, you mean? Yeah. No. Yes. No. One in a hundred. Okay. Yep. Um next up, first time caller, disrespected shardy. I love that. Uh is this it? I mean, really, is this it? And I think it's in reference to the football team. Had to be had Maybe. to be had to be tweeted out and probably I would like to imagine with about a minute and a half remaining in the first half. uh i mean maybe (laughs) tbd (laughs) i i don't know like again i i I implore people consider how you felt the last two years yeah are you shocked you feel that way about the performance of the team this year i i i think you're lying to yourself if you say you are yeah so i I know i you you have done a great job and a very cohesive job of pulling us back into the historical narrative and to remind us and situate us where we were and it is right and good that our excitement for mel tucker blinds us somewhat to that history 
and moves us into a new sure. stage of hope and expectation. So yeah, you can, it, it does back. for me too. Yeah. So, all right, Nick Kamansky back with another couple goodies. Jones, what is your advice regarding college football Saturdays now that he's a fan of a basketball school? You're not Nick. You're okay. not a fan of a basketball school. <laughs> oh, that is. I mean, if if what you're saying is that you're now a fan, it, well, that you continue to be a fan of a school that is no longer a football school. Well, that is accurate. Is. There it is. That's hurtful. Hurtful. Uh, hurtful, hurtful. Plump. What are your top three MSU basketball games you have personally attended? <sighs> okay. Well, um, I gotta obviously, you know. A little uh, hat tip to myself, a little feather in my cap. The UNC game oh. that we did lose to in the Final right. Four in 2005. Uh, that's got to be number one because, you know, I mean, that's just a history-making game. And although we lost, it was just, uh, you know. Greg, is that you? Okay. Uh, if only he were on speed dial. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I don't I don't know. Uh, they're, uh, that I think that's probably, like, the one that I really remember. I mean, I went to... Every single home basketball game, maybe minus one during the four years that I was at Michigan State. And, you know, some of those seasons, other than 2005, and that we were in the upper bowl, you know, we didn't go to the final four any of those other years. So, you know, I think we won the Big Ten tournament, I think, in 2007. It's probably a game then that was like huge leading up to that. Probably some games against Ohio State that were a pretty big deal. So, yeah. 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 You didn't. you, uh, You anything from you? I mean, seeing him play at the Garden was pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I was way too intoxicated, but sure. You know, uh, it was that was that was very cool. So it goes. Um, you know, uh, sadly, uh, one of my bigger sort of, if I could do it over again, I would have kept my Izone membership. Yeah. Instead of, I would have said, "I'm in charge of this club now, and we're changing the days that we meet." Mm. Um, yep but uh did not do that so nope. living um live and learn live and learn uh next up anthony garvert what <laughs> Alright. what <laughs> what <laughs> what is your opinion on former former washed up no currently washed up well. but washed up and former u of m quarterbacks tackling middle schoolers with their pelvis uh plum you got any thoughts i i i have several thoughts none appropriate for prime time uh so first of all i would say hot uh okay. second okay okay i would say for those who don't know uh there is a video tweeted out by yeah. devin garner that is uh the one and the former the quarterback for the university of michigan uh running a camp that i think it's generous to call them middle schoolers uh, uh, camp for quarterbacks. Cause why wouldn't you, uh, want to have your children learn from the worst, but, um, he, he seems to, we'll say, we'll call it hip thrust into children. It is um, as inexplicable as it is inappropriate. <laughs> it is, it is, it's ill-advised. It's certainly based in no conception of, of strong fundamental fo- football fundamentals, it, it just looks like an angry adult taking his rage out on defenseless children. It's it's it, their timing. The timing is wrong too. It's just all very weird. I mean, I, I want to be very clear that, you know, let's say my son was at a quarterback camp and a coach chose to uh, uh, hit them with a pad to knock them over after they shortly, shortly after they completed a throw. 
I, I get the the point of that. What I don't understand is in sort of a um, uh, Kringle McDingleberry uh, <laughs> fashion, he he comes up and dry humps a child yes. to the ground. Yes. Like that is, it is weird, it's gross, and it's bizarre you tweeted it out. Yep. Because someone could use that as evidence. Well, and, <laughs> like, I, and I hope they do. And I hope. Oh, man. But Anthony, great question. Yeah. A real nugget. A question that made my day. In fact, it was so good when that you... we gave you a bonus question this week, Garbert. That's, Indeed. That's, In... how, that's how much we like that. So, to that point, Jones, weekly prop bet, turnover against Maryland versus yards per carry against Maryland. Again, assuming they play, his over-under set at 2.5. So, Anthony, here's the thing. If you take out the sack yardage... Um, actually we kind of ran the ball. Okay. And I don't think Maryland has a convincing pass rush. So I'm going over two and a half yards per carry. Yeah. I I, I, I got you there. Yeah. Over as well. Over as well. Um, um, next up. Rank your top three Thanksgiving side dishes. Yes, this is a segment fishing attempt. Hashtag make can't read, can't write two hours again. <laughs> I thoroughly appreciate. Do you, should we save this for a Thanksgiving episode segment? Okay, let's push it. That's fine. Or do you want to answer now? We can. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling nostalgic. And we're, what are we, a week and a half or so now away from, uh, from Thanksgiving, I would say and Greg actually has nothing to contribute on food. So, well, he is, you don't get to be a three star, three and a half star Slenderman by eating a lot of Thanksgiving side dishes. That is for sure. Uh, yeah. I would say, uh, green bean casserole, um, unpopular opinion, but I don't care, uh, is canned cranberry sauce. I want the gelatinous and I want it to be in the shape of the can when it comes out. So you want the wrinkles. I want the wrinkles. You, I, you, the ribbed. You want I want ribbed. the ribbed. I want the ribbed can shaped gelatinous blob and I want to slice it in the ribs. That's the slice pattern. So you, it's perfectly apportioned and they sort of just gently would you say it's over. ribbed for your pleasure at that point <laughs> listen, in time? Listen, don't you threaten me with a good time. Uh, so that's a green bean casserole that's uh the the canned ribbed cranberry for my pleasure and then uh third and final has got to be uh it's got to be the uh it's got to be the it's got to be the stuffing it's got to be my aunt sue's stuffing yep how about you um i'm gonna go ahead and say uh this isn't everybody's thanksgiving but uh, my Thanksgiving, sort of what what I will be making indeed this year, mac and cheese, number one. Okay. I don't I don't want any shenanigans that mac and cheese isn't part of Thanksgiving. It absolutely is. Um, two for sure the stuffing, absolutely. Um, and three, it's not complicated, but my dad makes really great mashed potatoes. Yeah, they're amazing. What I don't need any of is anything that's a yam related product. Okay. Yeah. But mashed potatoes. Oh yes, please. And thank you. Um, Boom. Booyah. All right. Yeah. John Hubbard, not a question, but I used to say that MSU could lose every game as long as they beat Michigan. Seriously reconsidering that position. I'm John. I think that's a reflection of, of what Mark D'Antonio did give you. There it is. 
Right? I'm not wrong on that, right? Like, I mean, we, we pro- I think we all grew up in the John L. era. Yep. As sort of fans, and I think that was, we were kind of spoilers. And then we learned what it felt like to be champions. A Big Ten champions. You got it. Yep. So, yeah, that's, 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 that's right. Yeah, that is a position well reconsidered. Jones, how did you spend the rest of your Saturday after the first <laughs> quarter? He decided his time was better spent practicing Spanish, Espanol and doing yard work kind of drunk. Well, I love yard work kind of drunk. Spanish, we all know, is a garbage language. Well, that's um, it. And you know, John, when you say that to him specifically, that's just a real knife in the back. So I would yes, indeed. urge you. And I, I think it was quite deliberate there, John. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I take this uh, podcast as a serious professional obligation, as you can tell by the professionalism with which we conduct it. And... Um, I, you know, I watched the game so you didn't have to. There it is. So, there it um, is. How about you? I uh, went on a hike with some friends. Took the dog, went on a nice two-hour hike. That was perfect. Uh, took my phone, uh, put it underneath the tire as we backed out of the driveway, ran right over it uh, <laughs> so that I couldn't uh, couldn't click onto the ESPN app. And I'm going to send the bill to, uh, I'm going to send the bill to Bill Beekman and ask him to reimburse it for his absolute garbage program that he is sitting on top of with his frumpled, ill-fitting suit. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Love it. Uh, next up is Dan Hellpepper. What is Rocket Watt's three-point field goal percentage at the end of the season? I'm, I'm going to call it right now. It's going to be the Moderna vaccine efficacy rate of 94.5% on this three. <laughs> I'm going to call it right now. He's going to have an insane year. Literally insane. Do you want to be more reasonable? Uh, I mean, the, oh, it's actually a really hard question because it's like, does Rocket Watts not shoot quite as much? No, he's finally, gonna, you know he's maybe? going to. You know he's going to shoot probably more than he should. You, like, he's just going to be Rocket Watts. 30, 34. Okay. 34. Okay. Okay. That's probably reasonable. Um, yeah, I think 34. Uh, next up from uh, Dan Hellpepper, uh, best converted tight end, Adam Berghorst, which was a, a defensive end, or Tyler Hunt, former third string punter. It's got to be Hunt. Got I, I think that's correct. He he, I think he's actually pretty okay. Yeah, and it, you, it doesn't look good, but like he's getting the job done. He's getting the job done. He's generally where he needs to be, and he went from third string punter to to <laughs> tight end. That is fantastic. Good for him. Give him a. Give him a bowl of your dad's mashed potatoes. That's what he deserves. <laughs> uh, next up is vodka soda nineteen. What's the best fast food French fry? This isn't even a question. This is it's McDonald's, right? Yeah, I knew you'd agree. I knew you would agree. I'm trying to think really hard about this just to make sure that I absolutely do, and I think I absolutely do. There's something about a McDonald's French fry. There's something not right. And I'll tell you what I don't like, a Burger King French fry. There's something a lot oh, wrong just, with a Burger I King French fry. I kind of enjoy them. Way too much potato. Way, way, way too much potato in that. It's just your mouth gets dry. Mm-mm, no. No, I want to have a little bit of, um, well, I want a lot of bit of hypertension after I, uh, after I, uh, <laughs> after I finish a nice, even a small McDonald's French fry. My God. Uh, that is correct. Uh, Vodka Soda 19 asks a similarly on brand or similar question to uh, 
uh, Garvert yep. asking favorite Thanksgiving side dish versus what can be skipped. So I think we kind of zeroed in on the Thanksgiving side dish. What can you skip, Plum? Yeah, it's candy yams. I don't have any it, with the marshmallows and it's very syrupy. That is correct. Yeah, they got to go. That's correct. They got to go. Yep. Uh, always thinking 1835 asks in a fire, what one MSU item makes it out of the house with you? We'll assume all other humans and animals are already safe. Hmm. 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 Jeez. Wow. Oh, one item. That is hurtful. I'm going to say... I'll say I have, a, I have a hat that I really love. You have a hat? Um, yep. That's you know coming what, with me. You know what I think it is for me? I think it's my first... Mm. Uh, I think it's my first... Uh, I know this... I'm going to call this an MSU... Uh, well, you tell me if this is an MSU item. It's my first best delegate gavel from McMunn. Uh, uh, that's a weird one. Is that a weird one? I think that's my third. I think that's my first one. It was weirdest humble brag. Also, well, there's that. Um, I will say if it's not that, it is my. Uh, I have a my original MSU is own T-shirt. I still have that. Oh, see that that I would for sure take. But I get the gavel too. I think I, I still have some of mine. Um, last right. up, Mama, Mama Maple my friend of me. Uh, why would MSU? She this she asks one A one B one C, but three so three part question. She asks why would MSU put the safety and welfare of their football players ahead of the campus community at large? From the article, and she references an article from the State News about how football player COVID testing differs from other on campus testing. From the article, quote: When a football player tests positive for COVID nineteen, they must wait at least twenty one days and undergo cardiac tests and be approved by a cardiologist before they can return to the field. However, if a end quote, I think, uh, however, if a student, nope, not end quote, quote continues. However, if a student on campus tests positive for COVID-19, they're not mandated to quarantine or self-isolate for a specific time or at a specific place. Um, Plum, what do you make of this knowing that by and large on-campus housing has also been shut down? Um, I, I want to say a couple things. First is Mama Maple Leaf continues to set the bar in terms of well-researched and thoughtful questions, especially on COVID. So a big hat tip. In fact, doffing of the cap to Mama Maple Leaf for uh, <laughs> the uh, the gusto and rigor that she brings to uh, this segment of the pot. That's one. Two, I want to reiterate that I have been a consistent naysayer of all Collegiate programs, Michigan State included, and the broader NCAA, God bless their souls, uh, for their intentional uh, privileging, I've said, and on this pod, of the student-athlete over, um, potentially at the expense of, the rest of uh, the college campus community. And you and, uh, to another extent, less extent, uh, Greg have pushed back on that, and I think we've had good dialogue about that. But, uh, and, I've, and I've kind of come back from that. But, that said... Uh, this article, um, and you know the state news, they are in. I mean, they're about as muckracky, rakey as you can get in terms of a college rag. So we have to. I love them. Yeah, I love. I, them. I like them too, and they serve an important purpose. But um, they are, they are definitely digging on this one. They acknowledge in the article itself that any student who wants a test can get one at Spartan Stadium or, I believe, at Olin Health Center. Um, and MSU bills their insur- insurance company first, MSU's insurance company. So those tests are, you know, most of the time, almost all of the time, 
free for the student. They can get those tests uh, daily if they want them. I mean, they're available every single day. There are no restrictions uh, other than students have to go in line and get them. Now, the football players are probably getting them at Scandalaris, and so it's maybe a little bit easier because they're right there. But the point remains, tests are available to every student that wants one. Um, so I, I would suggest that this article kind of buries its own lead or at least buries some pretty important information. I'm glad that they acknowledged it, but it's, it's it kind of cuts in into the question you asked there, your 1A question around safety and welfare of the football players ahead of the campus community. I would say that Michigan State has done a great job, a better than average job, probably compared around the uh, national uh, university uh, situations, uh, making sure that the larger campus community students, faculty alike, have access um, and we can talk about whether or not having it all at Spartan Stadium is a good practice or whether they could do it differently. But the fact that they're available is is fantastic. Uh, second is there is no statewide requirement that people who are COVID positive in Michigan must quarantine. Um, that is not it, there, it's not codified in law anywhere. There's no you know, not sending police out. They, they probably could. They, we certainly should have a long time ago at this point with community spread like it is. Um, we are the best we can do is just hope that folks will 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 abide by the restrictions that they have in place. Um, uh, the, the, so the only other question here is whether or not pot, students who test positive um, have the same access to cardiologists that um, that football players do. Well, one of the things that we know around the cardiology, um, the sort of cardiac uh, exacerbations is that there does tend to be a correlation, a strong correlation with the physical fitness and the types of anaerobic stress that um, that uh, athletes in top peak physical performance have. There is a strong correlation between their um, anaerobic ability to exercise and work at that level and COVID that isn't necessarily being borne out with sort of your average Joe. So I, I would propose, I believe that the, the, the statistics back me up on this, that your average student who is not a peak fitness, peak you know, anaerobic fitness athlete is not subject to the same um, cardiac risk factors that a that the student athletes are. And so for that purpose, not from a simple cost equation perspective, not availing every single student, positive student of a cardiology exam, uh, as the vast majority of, of infected individuals do not require, it would not be, you know, would not be clinically indicated. Uh, that and I again, I, I don't have those statistics in front of me. From what I've read, I believe that that's true. If anyone out there wants to prove me wrong, I buy you a six pack. Um, and uh, and so I, I would say I think I think that is just some context to kind of gently push back on the premise of Mama Maple Leaf's question. I think that, and I've come for this university. I've come for them a time or two or three or four, and I'll continue to. But in this case, at least. I think that uh, I, I think that that the assertion in the question is a little bit a little bit too far for me. Lovely. Um, well, this wraps up our doom and gloom. The world is coming to an end again. Episode of can't read, can't write. Um, so Plum, while we can go green, go white. Talk to you next week, everyone. <laughs>